So welcome to another Fast and Like Nails podcast. I'm Mark Hamby, and I have in the studio with me today um, Professor Colin Smith. <laughs> Along with him, we have one of his students, Rebecca and Caleb. Hello. And my co-host, Molly Mayo. Hello. Okay, here we go, guys. So this is exciting. Uh, I, I'm very excited. I haven't attended the class, but you and I have discussed for Samuel in the past. And so for those that are listening for the first time, this is part two of... Woohoo. For Samuel. <laughs> Listen up. Mm-hmm. But it, it was here and obey. So maybe it was here and obey part two or something. Colin, if you had to give a, <laughs> um, a theme for this podcast, what would you call it? Oh, First Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what are we going to be learning in it's First Samuel? Theme. What's the main, you know, theological theme behind this scene? Yeah. So um, the book of First Samuel um, originally was just Samuel. And uh, we read in First Chronicles um, 29 that you know, most likely there's three authors, Samuel, Nathan, Whoa. and Gad. And because Samuel dies in First Samuel 25, mm. right? So it's no secret that they're, it's still inspired. It's still divinely inspired. But um, this, the key to the book of Samuel mm-hmm. is the name Samuel. So um, the name Samuel... No, don't, tell, don't tell people yet. <laughs> ...is the key to the book of Samuel. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the the name itself is really the main theme of the book. Yes, absolutely. It ties directly into the main theme that runs throughout the whole book. What this book is about, and the main central point about every single character, whether it's Eli, Hannah, mm-hmm. Samuel, Saul, David, Jonathan. Every character has this theme running throughout the entire book. In Similar to what we have, are going through with Mark chapter 4 and 5 with the Listen Up series, we're going to call this series the... Hear and Obey. Hear and Obey series. <laughs> Sound good? Sounds great. So now we're taking it one step further. We're not just listening, we're obeying. <laughs> well, and actually in Hebrew, the word listen and obey are synonymous, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, when James, a good Hebrew guy, says, you know, you're supposed to not just be only hearers mm. of the word or doers of the word, he was expressing a sort of frustration with these Greek people mm. who had divorced thought from action. But in the Hebrew mindset, to hear and obey is the same thing. If you properly heard, then you obey. Oh, wow. So to hear and obey is the same thing. So when God says, hear, O Israel, mm. he's saying, obey, listen up, hear my voice. So, There's no distinction in the Hebrew thought between hearing and obeying. So... Samuel, pronounced in Hebrew, is what? Shamuel. Shamuel. El meaning God. El meaning God. And? And Shamu is heard. Hmm. So his name is heard of God. And that makes sense because um, his, his mother, Hannah, makes a request in the temple of the Lord, in the house of the Lord. Hmm. She makes a request for Samuel, and she's heard by God. Hmm. So she Whoa. prays out, and she asks God for a son, and God hears her. Hmm. And that's what this whole book is about. It's about communication with God, people mm. who talked to God and were heard by God. Does mm. it work the other way around, too? It does. God hears. So or, the people who don't hear God and listen to him mm. and obey him are the people who don't communicate with him. So Saul, in particular, he doesn't obey or hear mm. the commandment of God. He doesn't obey, hear and obey. So mm-hmm. God rips away from him the kingship, and that's his struggle. Saul has to go to a medium because he's the Lord isn't listening to him or mm. hearing his cry because he hasn't obeyed the Lord. Mm. And right in the center of Saul's disobedience, Samuel says, Saul says, I obeyed, I heard, I obeyed. And, Saul sa- and Samuel says to Saul, 
what is what is this I hear in my ears? The bleeding of sheep. Oh wow! Mm. Whoa, that's powerful. Okay, that, okay. So this reminds me. So today, there's a lot of people that are going through conflict, going through turmoil, mm-hmm. and they don't sense that God's hearing them, mm-hmm. right? And in the New Testament, it says if we if we regard iniquity in our hearts. Is that New Testament? If we regard iniquity in our hearts, I believe it is. I believe it's in Peter. The Lord will not hear us. That's the Psalms? Psalm, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Okay, great, great. Okay, so we'll <laughs> find it before the Psalm. podcast is over. <laughs> if we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. And then in Peter, yeah. this is what I was thinking, it talks about in marriage, marriage relationship, yeah. if, if we're not fulfilling in obedience God's command the way a husband and a wife need to be treating each other, again, God says, in their prayers will be hindered. Yeah. God won't hear them. And so it's you know, God scary. is what's scary, isn't yeah. it? Isn't that in Lamentations too, where there was the whole section where it's just like God wasn't hearing and it there was this it was horrifying. But I think the Old Testament has a lot of those you know, it reaches a point where, you know, there there is justice that has to be served. Yeah. And I, I think you know, I I think the continuity of Old and New Testament, I don't think that God changes a lot into the New Testament other than you know, what Christ did on the cross, God, the way God deals with his people is pr- pretty much the same. In the book of Hebrews, our God is a jealous God. It says that he will judge the adversaries. Um, the Lord, our God, is a consuming fire, you know, and so mm-hmm. he's pretty much the same. Okay, I think Rebecca found it. So the reference is Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But mm. certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my mm. prayer. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so back to Samuel. Yes. <laughs> okay, so so we've got we've got um, Shemuel, Shemuel. So yeah. heard of God. That starts with Hannah in the very beginning, which mm-hmm. is the theme. Which I, and I'm going to go out on a limb. You ready, mm-hmm. <laughs> Doctor John Lawler? <laughs> say, Hamby, you're always out on the edge of a limb. <laughs> <laughs> you would understand that. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Um, but do you think that a lot of the circumstances surrounding each of our lives that um, are thematic, that God designs our lives in a certain way in which these elements of conflict, of turmoil, mm. of, of adversity kind of define who we are? Those are the, those are the, the not roadblocks, the... Um, Oh, how, like when you're run, running a race and you got to run over, you got to jump over obstacles. the yeah, the obstacles, the hurdles, the hurdles of life that God places in each of our lives, mm-hmm. and we would look back and say, "I keep going over the same hurdle," yeah. you know. And so for Samuel, it was that heard of God. You know, Samuel had to learn to listen to God's voice rather than Eli. Yes. And so maybe each of us have had the same type of design. I really believe this is true. Jacob, yeah. all through his life, he was the crooked man. Yeah. So. You've gone through some serious trials this past year, you know. If As you, we all have. Y- yeah. 20, 2020 has been a refining fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can we all yes. Just say that? Oh, yeah. It has separated the sheep from the goats. It's helped to, people get to see whether or not they are full of faith or full of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so what really defines us, and I think that if we, if we look at our lives and just observe the tests that God give us, gives us, that um, maybe we would then take that and then look at what is it in the scriptures that will help us to overcome those things, really meditate upon those, those areas of life that will help us to overcome. Yes. So in Samuel, 
what happens next that will help define who he is? So um, you have the story of Hannah, mm-hmm. and um, she's a woman, and you have Eli, who is a man. And Eli appears to be righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a priest, he's in the house, but we know there's sin in his family, Hophni and Phineas. Mm-hmm. And then you have Hannah, who appears to be drunk, because she's babbling and she's mm-hmm. speaking to the Lord, but she's really a, she's really righteous, mm. um, and she doesn't have any children, which is another slight against her. But she really is righteous. So you have these two people, and the story they're intertwined in the story because Hannah, her her name is Anna. Do you know what Anna means? Grace. Gracious. Mm. So she makes a gracious request. Okay, stop stop for a moment, guys. Do you guys did you catch what he just said about Eli appears to be righteous and Hannah appears to be drunk? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so typical of, I mean, the church, mm-hmm. you know, the appearance of people. Mm-hmm. Um, in the New Testament, it says, you know, that the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, you, you, can't li- you can't live a fake life with God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to root it out. You, just, mm-hmm. you know, we are either going to be all in or we're out. You know, God wants us, he wants us to be serious. Mm-hmm. You know, so the way that we prove ourselves is deal with our sin on the inside so that we're not just looking good on the outside, mm-hmm. okay? So, so we see this theme, um, this kind of relationship and this theme later on when we see two people, Saul and David. And Saul looks great. He's on tall. He's good looking. He looks like a warrior. Mm-hmm. On the outside, he looks perfect. But when God selects David, he has this very specific words. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not like man. I don't look on the outside. I look on the, the heart. Mm. I look at the inside. And you see that. And even in the beginning, you're seeing that theme when God looks at Hannah and he sees her heart, her gracious request, Mm. and he honors that. And then Eli, we're going to see him. He's the reverse. Um, He he doesn't – he has sin in his life and no one knows. He Mm. appears to be righteous. Uh So she makes this godly request. And it's interesting. At the beginning of the book of 1 Samuel, at the end, you have Mm. two parallel passages. You have the story of Hannah making a godly request Mm-hmm. And I'm being heard of God. And she says, I've heard of God, Samuel. I asked and I made a godly request. So you have asked for Samuel and I, and I requested or asked for him for God. And he heard me. That's Shemuel. But you know what the word in Hebrew is for asked for? Mm-mm. Saul. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I was just going to say that. Sha'u'el. Really? To ask or make a request for. So there's a parallel passage. Wow. A godly request for Samuel at the beginning of the book with Eli and, and Hannah, an ungodly request asking for Samuel when Saul asked for him and brings him up from the dead. Wow. And Whoa. the people asked for Saul, right? She, Samuel, Saul, Shaul asks for Samuel. Mm-hmm. So even in the beginning of the book, you have Shaul and you have and Shamuel. You have the Saul and Samuel. At the end of the book, Saul, who is not gracious, mm-hmm. makes an ungracious request for Samuel and his request is heard and answered by God and Samuel comes up. Both Hannah and Saul ask for Samuel. And when the difference is, is Hannah asks in a gracious way and she gets life. Saul asks in an ungracious way and he gets death. (laughs) Pretty pretty amazing. All that Professor Colin has just talked about with Saul, Shaul, being Mm -hmm. asking... Asking, he makes Shaul Shauls for Shamuel mm-hmm. because he's not being Shamuel, heard of God. So he's not hearing, being heard of God, but he's asking. And then later on, he asks for Samuel, which is a 
play on the theological text here. Yeah. He's asking, what, what would you say the significance of this is? He's, well, he's asking for Samuel, but the reason that God isn't hearing and answering Saul is because Saul doesn't obey and hear God. Mm. And he has sin in his life, and he's not dealing with the sin in his life, and he doesn't have a relationship and open lines of communication with God. So the significance of this is massive. Um, He's asking for Samuel because he's worried about himself. Mm. The reason that Hannah asks for Samuel is she wants everyone to know that she's right with God mm. and God is good and she's just she is saddened because she she wants everyone to know that she's righteous and she's vindicated and and Sam and Hannah wants everyone to know what's on the inside mm. to be shown on the outside. Saul is worried about himself and the outside. What's interesting is that Hannah is one of the two wives. Yes. And so the other the other wife, Penina, she can have children. She can. But she is barren. And so think about the, the extreme mm. tension in her life, okay? You've got this one husband, you know, and this yeah. other girl is kind of like, you know, f- antagonizing her. Like, mm-hmm. I can have kids, you can't. You know, he's mine. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about it. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but back then it wasn't awkward. It was just the way that they lived, even though it was still in sin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so here she is, like, God, I can't go through this anymore. She's she's devastated. She doesn't even want to go to temple. Yeah, so she doesn't even want to eat. Mm. And, and so the idea here is that no one can give Hannah what she wants but God. Mm-hmm. So she has to resort to talking to him. And making her request from him. And everyone can see on the outside what she's really like. They see the turmoil in her mm-hmm. life. She can't hide it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. She's not eating. She's um, Eli mistakes her for being drunk. This is one of the very rare instances we have someone praying directly to God. The reason Eli can't hear her is because she's praying directly to God. And back then, most prayers were public because you wanted mm. to make a show of how religious and how, how right you were. Jesus talks about people who make loud prayers. Don't be like those people who make loud prayers and then go away and see how righteous am I. So she's genuinely trying to, trying to talk to God in the house of God. She's not eating. She's, she's distraught. And um, her husband, all of his attempts to comfort her seem to be failing. You know, he gives her double portion of food. Mm. And that only makes her rival hate her more. And, and that doesn't help her. And he tries to comfort her and say one of the most ridiculous things in the whole book, aren't I better than many sons to you? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. <laughs> no. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> no, you are not. <laughs> because he doesn't understand her. He doesn't get her. So she turns. Oftentimes, this is the story of scriptures. When we have nowhere else to turn, that's when we turn to God. And that's when things are the most real, and that's when God starts answering our prayers. Okay, mm-hmm. so I want to do two things right now. I want to, I'm going to follow up on what you just said, and then I'm going to go back to Jeconiah for a second. Um, my family's going through a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, many of my family, are they're sick, and one of them, um, two of them could die. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going through some really serious health issues. Um, more serious than I've ever seen in my family. Now, I got a large extended family, so there's a lot of us. Um, and um, and that and now in the midst of you know the, the COVID, the COVID variant stuff, and all the stuff that's going on in society and culture, now there is a division being created in families. 
my family and other families, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what news station you watch, I imagine. And what I'm finding is that in this divisive time in history is that the one thing that we're forgetting is crying out to God publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, with, just like Hannah did, without any regard to what people think. And I, I came across this uh, yesterday. I've sent some of this to several family members who are going through a lot. And they're, they're, all I'm hearing is which doctor should we turn to, um, which, you know, um, YouTube video should we be watching? You know, do we, do we do these things with ivermectin, hydrogen peroxide? Do we go get a shot? Do we get the vaccine? So there's all kinds of, all kinds of stuff going on, you know, and mm-hmm. that's all, I, that's the majority of attention is, do I take this homeopathic remedy? The, the focus is on mm. what the world has to offer. Okay. But the only time that God talks about, you know, the majority of times that God talks about sickness, one time he says, use a little wine for your stomach's sake. But the time that he focuses on real sickness, God gives us a prescription that we're to follow. Now, the one time in the Gospels, it talks about the woman with the issue of blood. She went to the physicians for 12 years, and it says this. It says, and she was not better. In fact, she was made worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one other thing, she lost all her money. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm not putting physicians down. There's a time and a place for physicians. There's a time and a place for hospitals. Amen. You know, you got appendicitis, you might need to get your appendix <laughs> removed, right? You know, so there's there's different things that are needed. Praise God for good doctors and good hospitals, especially for our children. But this is what God gives as a prescription. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. <laughs> is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, probably olive oil because it had some additional purposes, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In the prayer of faith, remember the men that brought the... the um, the man, the, they brought their friend. I think he was the palsied man. Mm-hmm. He couldn't come himself. And these other people, it was their faith that brought healing to this other man. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Wow, this is just, this is a promise. Now, does God heal everybody? Mm-mm. No. no. But he promises to heal all our diseases. That's a promise of God. Does that mm-hmm. happen every time? Yes. Sometimes you die. Yeah, sometimes you die, <laughs> and, and, and you have no more sorrow, no yep. more tears, no more uh-huh. pain, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win situation. He will either heal you here on earth, mm-hmm. or he'll heal you when you're going to see him face-to-face. Mm-hmm. I, I understand this. I was sick for 12 years. Mm. Isn't that amazing? God, God gave me the same number. Um, I was getting ready to go on to number 13, and, uh, and I've, I've shared this in many podcasts before, and I'm going to share it again. Um, it was an unsaved doctor in New York City. I was spending $600 for a 10-minute visit, and I had to pay cash. Mm. I depleted everything. All our savings was gone. I had chronic fatigue, ulcerated bleeding colitis. I mm. had um, severe depression and fibromyalgia, 12 solid years. And I'll never forget, this doctor looked at me, and we became, I would say, somewhat friends. And um, rather famous doctor, he wrote a book on the four pillars of healing, and he looked at me and he goes, I'm not going to be seeing you anymore. I said, why? He goes, I'm going to give you a prescription here. He goes, take this. I think this will bring healing to your life. He wrote it out on a piece of paper, handed it to me, 
I looked at it and it said, read the book of Psalms. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I was like, what the? I looked at him like, what? <laughs> so read the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, I think, he says, I, Mark, I don't think that your physical problems are related to anything physical. I think your physical problems are related to something spiritually, spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa. It was what, it was within, it was within, I'm going to say two months. And I, it was probably a lot sooner than that. I was completely healed. Mm-hmm. But because my problem was spiritual, I was trying to play God, controlling my family, controlling everything around me, controlling my ministry, controlling people's lives. And when you do that, you're going to wear yourself out. If you've got a type A personality and you're trying to control everything, you're playing God. And God's like, um, okay, go ahead. Try it for a while. <laughs> and then when you wear out, wear yourself out, then you can come back to me and then we can start all over again. And that's what happened to me. And it was like, it was like I remember telling God, like, you can have your job back. <laughs> Yours, I don't want to deal with this. And this is what it says in James, James chapter 5. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And, and it, here, you ready for this? And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Hmm. We've got to deal with the sin issue to find out if that's part of the physical problem. Mm-hmm. I would say the majority of times it is. Now, I mean, all sickness probably comes from sin, maybe not. You know, someone might get a flu. Obviously, that may not be coming from sin. You know, someone might, you know, have a tumor. That may not be coming from sin. But we've got to judge ourselves and, and evaluate ourselves and come clean. Is there sin in our life? Like, for example, if you're dealing with pornography, that is releasing a certain um, endorphins in your body that are unhealthy that will lead to an unhealthy the unhealthy physical ailments, by looking at pornography, there's proven, scientifically proven, that it, will, it affects the body. It, over time, it affects the way your face looks. Hmm. You start to see a difference in a person's face. People hmm. that are in prison, they have a certain look in their, in their face. Hmm. Um, if, you're, if you're dealing with, you know, adultery, if you're dealing with, you know, whatever sin it is that we're involved in, it affects our body. Mm-hmm. Guilt and shame affects us. Depression, anxiety affects us physically. And so we've got to be able to come and judge ourselves, come before God and say, okay, Lord, I confess. And then you bring people alongside of you, people that will love you and hold you up. I think for sure that happens sometimes uh, that God uses it to get your attention for sin. But I think often a lot of people go through different things, sickness or suffering, just like there was, I was sick a while ago and, uh, and there was a verse that was sent to me. It was uh, from the Psalms, and it was, uh, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And it wasn't fun being sick. Like, you can't do much. You sleep and <laughs> yep. pray and study a little bit. But sometimes, like, you can just, maybe God just wants to spend some extra time with you. Like, right. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with sin. I, but, I don't believe so. But God had an opportunity for you. To, and it is good that I've been afflicted, mm-hmm. that I might learn thy word. Yeah, like, and that happens a lot with people who suffer with big things like Anna with uh, with cancer. Like right. God, God had chosen her for a very difficult assignment, but she uh, she drew so close to God from that, and the testimonies from her life are huge. So mm-hmm. yeah, and she was actually growing in the Lord right. during the, just the yeah. opposite. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get into a Job situation with like this is why God suffers. Yeah, I think God causes suffering. I think we have to be careful too, because like. Um, a lot of times we'll look at suffering and we don't know why. Yeah. 
Like, I don't have any answers. Mm -hmm. And we kind of are like, we have the ministry of Job's friends. Mm -hmm. We try to find the sin (laughs) in someone else's life that's causing the suffering. Um, When, if there is a sin, it'll it'll quickly be apparent to that person Uh if they're Mm -hmm. a believer. And even if they're an unbeliever, they'll quickly know. Um, But what what kind of what I'm, like my experience with suffering is um, suffering and sin are all tied together. Mm -hmm. They're all a result of this world we live in Mm -hmm. and the fall. And really, it, re- it goes back to our broken relationship with God. Mm. And um, the two main areas that suffering and pain and sin really affect, it's our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got people who are suffering and they're experiencing the consequences of living in a sinful world, pain, mm. anger. But then you have people who, who are watching them suffer. And, like, never forget, like, when you're suffering, there's people watching you suffer and watching mm. how you suffer. Mm, that's good. And wow. in, in, in my experience, um, what I've learned is that there is a gracious way to watch someone suffer mm-hmm. and mm. to come alongside them and to love them. And there is a gracious way not to. But this is why it's so important to get what Jesus is saying. Yeah. The cross, Jesus is the solution to restoring our relationship with God and our relationship with man. Mm-hmm. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mm-hmm. and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's, you have to embrace the cross and embrace mm-hmm. the forgiveness of sins to get right with God. Then you can have a right relationship with your neighbors. Then you can properly deal with all of this. Mm-hmm. And and it's so hard because I remember my father, um, he had chronic migraines. Mm-hmm. Uh, just suffered so intensely. And having to walk through him, through that valley with him, I mean, from the age 16 driving my dad into the hospital, you know, over a hundred times a year um, to probably like, I would say age 28, Mm. you know, when he he died. Mm. Um, Walking through that valley, one of the things that that watching him suffer, someone I love so much and respected Mm -hmm. so much and was so, I just feel so helpless, Mm -hmm. so out of control. And the thing that you need to remember as you're walking through, because this time of life, so many people right now in our country, in our world, feel out of control. Everything is out of control, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't it feel out of control? Mm, absolutely. And, but the thing is, is that like Mark said is so important, you've got to let ha- God have that control. Mm-hmm. You've got to give it to him, and you have to trust that he is in control and he's good. Even, and the hardest thing in the world to do is watch someone you love suffer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's bring this to a conclusion here, and then we're going to go to part three after this one. I'm going to finish in James. Listen to what it says. And this is so important. In light of all the illustrations we've just given, my family going through this this mm-hmm. conflict, this chasm, you know, the separation of, you know, who's, who's doing it right, who's doing it wrong, you know, the blame and so forth. It says there, it says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, here's the key. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. You know, in in family situations right now, in in, in school settings, you know, where we are today, in the church setting, one of the most important things, what what will start a revival is people looking at one another and going like, you know what, I am so sorry I was harsh with you. Yeah. I misjudged you or that I judged you. You know, once, once we start the process of, Confessing our faults and sins one to another, mm-hmm. that I think God gets like excited <laughs> when he sees something like that. That starts mm-hmm. the ball rolling yeah. for revival. Absolutely. So the gospel brings healing. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. healing in our souls and mm-hmm. our hearts, making mm-hmm. us more of a whole, but it brings healing in our relationships. Mm-hmm. So if you're not experiencing healing in your relationships right now, the gospel isn't causing you to be a more loving, kind person, mm-hmm. drawing you together, maybe you should start confessing your sins to other mm-hmm. people. A little bit of humility, confessing your sins, and, and approaching the situation from a gospel perspective. That's so mm-hmm. good. And you told us uh, yesterday about context, because I feel like we can go through suffering when we're following the Lord. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. just this past couple of weeks was Sarah that brought up that everything started happening. Uh, cars oh, as soon as we down. started evangelizing the town, yeah. it just Crazy stuff, stuff. And so it's God giving us the strength to go through those trials because yeah. we are following Him, and it's Satan realizing that it's like, oh, this is somebody I have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just lost my thought. You're <laughs> talking about the gospel. I was so I was ready to say something. So excited about the it. Gospels healing relationships. We're talking about the idea that, um, y- you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, um, like revival. Mark was talking about revival. Uh-huh. Revival doesn't start when the bad people in town start realizing they're bad. Mm-hmm. Revival starts when the people in the church, whoever thinks are good, realize how bad they are. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And they start saying, "I confess, mm-hmm. I'm a sinner," and then. All the younger people who thought they were so godly are like, I got to confess. And everyone's confessing their Mm -hmm. sins, experiencing forgiveness, and revival catches fire. And then the people in the town see it. And the people in town are like, I go there. They confess their sins. They don't tell me how bad I am. Wow. Wow. There's forgiveness for me too. And then you have this outpouring of the gospel. That's what revival is. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I've never seen it like that before. Usually we see it in the flip where it is about get, reaching the lost, the real lost people we, we mm-hmm. think. Well, the lost get reached when they see the gospel. Live working and live. And the only way they see that is when it starts with confession, yeah. repentance, yeah. and forgiveness. And realize how lost we are. That's where the fire of the great revivals were. That's there was amazing. a revival that took place in a, and I'm not going to even tell you the book because if I tell you the name of the book, you might read it and some people are going <laughs> to write me letters like, I can't believe you promoted this book it's, it's blue like jazz but don't read it oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I read it someone someone handed it to me and said like you need to read this book but you're gonna not like me for giving you the book <laughs> so i immediately read it of course and they told me i shouldn't read it yikes and in this book they're in portland and i think it's portland and there's oh, yeah. this really liberal college like one of the most <laughs> liberal colleges in all of america <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> And uh, this Christian group, these, these small Christian group got together and they're like, you know, we can't give the gospel. If we give the gospel, they hate us more, you know? And they were uh-huh. like, what do we do? You know, so they started meeting and they said, this one guy goes, I know what to do. We're going to start confessing our sins. Mm. Wow. And this is what they did. They made a confession booth on campus. <laughs> ah! <laughs> they made a confession booth and the people that would walk, the students that would walk by the confession booth was the Christians inside, and when people came up to them, they would confess, the Christians would confess their sins and their faults to the people that walked by. Interesting. And let, and let them know, like, I'm so sorry that I have not been an example in these areas. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry that I have failed you by really modeling Christ in these areas of my Whoa, life. Wow, that's radical. Within, yes, it is. Within a few weeks, a revival broke out. Mm. Wow. It's crazy. Is it based things. off yeah. of a true story? Yeah, yeah, it really wow. happened. It really happened. I've I've experienced this in my own life. I've seen it happen. You did a confession booth? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in a sense, yes, it happened in our church, and two year revival broke out. It was pretty amazing. Wow. Life action mm. singers were there, and mm. l- let let me finish this, guys. This is so. This is so great. This was not the direction we were no. going, was it? <laughs> no, it was not. Okay. Praise God. 
Therefore, listen, listen to this. I'm going to go back a little bit. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And he, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and here, watch this, and pray for one another. Mm-hmm. See, now you can pray for one another. God's going to hear you. Pray for one another that, guess what, that you might be healed. Mm-hmm. Mm. You pray for other people now so that you might be healed. How does that mm-hmm. work? Because now you're, you're not holding grudges anymore. The people that you are judging, you're now praying for blessing. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And now all of a sudden, God hears your prayer. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you get healed. Mm. Mm. This gets better. Listen to what it says next. Pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Mm. Mm. That's what we need right now in our culture, in our homes, families, mm-hmm. schools, mm-hmm. churches. Colin, thanks for uh, opening this new door for us as we walk through this. It'll be part two. We'll, um, we'll do this again real soon in part three. Thank you for uh, joining us in another Fasten Like Nails podcast where we're igniting Fire to know God intimately, proclaim Him passionately, and enjoy Him infinitely. God bless. An old man blind to his own bitterness. I will never forgive her. A young girl blind to her own identity. There are people who want to hurt me. Together, they find a treasure. The Hidden Hand. I will take the girl. In the heart of the deep south is a deep secret. Hidden house? It's haunted, they say. A story that will open your eyes to your own story. I don't know how God is working, but I know He is. This is The Hidden Hand. This must be kept entirely secret. Starring Katie Lee as Capitola. An interesting name. I'm an interesting girl. Written and directed by Kathy Buchanan. Get rid of Capitola once and for all. Behind every story of your life, discover the author of your faith. Discover the hidden hand. Visit lamplighter.net, lamplighter.net.